Um, Not the face red. Yeah, so welcome back to Janeway's children, Tom Paris's children, two of them's children. Not I sure think they, I think they would have beautiful children. They were getting a they lot would. of screen chemistry time together this uh, episode. And one of so I took like scene specific notes, but I also took like general notes, and I was okay. like, how how is Janeway's hair so big? It's amazing. You know that I, know I what talk love about. it. <laughs> no hair talk. But Sorry. you do raise an interesting point because I think I've gathered from you know, some of the podcasts that I listen to that when the series was starting, they were maybe thinking that her and Paris would be an item. <gasps> you know, this oh, all, this oh all changes. my goodness. That's what I've that. heard. That's what I've heard. Oh but my goodness. A quick introduction, I guess, uh, because this week, if we're going to do this like a proper podcast, we are talking about Time and Again, uh, episode three, season one. Jamie, mm-hmm. your face is hilarious. Well, I don't know if your face has got frozen. Maybe got frozen. Um, I mean, I'm uh, smiling right now. Yeah. So Some say that that looks like a frozen corpse rictus, but I'm no. imagining that's not what you're seeing. No, I think you're, you, you froze. But do you want to do us the honors and give us your short summary of the episode? Well, I, I've been working on sort of making this shorter, and I basically went with entire episode is used as a vehicle to suggest... Kez may have psychic powers while making her look like a lunatic to the crew. <laughs> I thought you were um, going to say... Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 go, no, no, go, go for it, go for it. I mean, I, I originally sort of started thinking that uh, the way it started, my takes on this would, again, mostly be hostile work environment and HR grievance sort of territory with um, Tom Paris and, um, and uh, Ensign Kim Oh, yeah. Debating so we, about whether to go chasing women who are yes, in their chain of dive, command. We're going to dive right into that. But um, I thought you might say a vehicle to uh, be, I don't know how to say this, explore anti-nuclear sentiment. Because uh, there were a couple of ah, points in the no, series. There was, there where, was loads, of, there was loads yeah. of that, yeah. Hmm. Also, was there a guy who just looked incredibly like a dyed blonde Mel Gibson? I know the guy. <laughs> One of the terrorists. <laughs> am I, am I, that, that's not just me, like, they're probably, you know, genetically harvested twins or something, because... Jenny, did you see a resemblance? I do know which guy you're, you're talking yeah. about, yeah, so I guess he must have a resemblance, because I immediately, you know, this is a great summary, by the way, this is not, not cryptic at all. <laughs> well, I think we've covered off the important things, HR, anti-nuclear, and Mel Gibson lookalike. What more could you want from a Star Trek episode? Yeah. Um, so I think I think you were getting very poised to talk about Tom Paris, but the opening scene on the bridge with um, we see Tom and he's mm. set the voyage on his course and he heads towards uh, Harry Kim, and this is like a classic Tom Paris scene, I think. Mm. Uh, so yeah. what do you want to say about that, Jamie? I mean, I think for any viewers that we have, he says playing to the gallery as though he's ever going to get lucky enough to have viewers. Um, and Jenny, if you could just put that uh, beer bottle where it shows the label just so that we could uh, <laughs> we get sponsors too. <laughs> um, yeah, Sam Miguel is such a great <laughs> Star Trek relevant beer. Um, so effectively Tom Paris sets the course and then goes over to Harry Kim to try and convince him to go on a double date with a pair of sisters. Uh, um, you know what are they called? This is very important. Delaney, Delaney sisters. Yeah. Delaney sisters. Sorry. I t- my pronunciation is just clearly so Delta Quadrant. Um, and um, yeah, Harry Kim is as ever reluctant, uh, either because he's devoted to his work, which is the excuse he gives, 
or because he senses that uh, Tom Paris is going to place him in a situation where his own relationship is potentially compromised as he keeps telling Tom Paris, I have someone waiting for me back home. Tom Paris goes, it'll be 70 years, she'll find someone else. It's a double date or nothing with these sisters. And then he uh, mentions to Harry Kim that he's told him some, uh, ra- he's told them some rather favourable lies about him, to wit him being, I think, the speed record holder at the academy for piloting something. Was that there or there? Yeah, about? something like that. Yeah. And Harry's like, yeah. but I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, and Tom's and- like, how am I going to know? Now, b- before we dive any further into this, could we just sort of dive into the, you know, HR management issues of having a pair well, of commanders? I think he, to, sorry, go for it. He does raise a good point because there's a couple, he has a couple of funny lines, I think. But he's like, when he says like, we're the only humans in space, people are going to start pairing off because, I mean, yeah. Yeah, whether that's... HR exists or not, natural human tendency is going to... I think take over. You you are just <laughs> absolutely going to legislate my desire for uh, Star Trek to be a uh, inclusive HR friendly space, aren't you, Red? Which I think everyone else could get behind. Yes. Sometimes I just say yes when you say words, just for the record. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah. But yeah, and I think, I mean, Tom's pushing so hard, well, I guess, because he sold this double date idea, so he really needs Harry to be on board. Otherwise. Mm. Mm. And I think if you're if you're going out dating and you're Tom Paris, Harry Kim gives your you credibility that you're not just a total scumbag. <laughs> um, I, I think it's important to note that um, Harry, uh, sorry, not Harry Kim, Ensign Kim, to use his rank, would pull his weight in that sort of arrangement. That is true. Although I, I, I don't know, it's it's sort of an interesting one. One of the well, side. Why don't we ask Jamie? Oh. Who would you rather go on a date with, Tom Paris or Harry Kim? Ouch! Oh. Ouch! Good question. Well, so early Tom Paris, this Tom Paris. Oh, that's a really tough one, actually. <laughs> <gasps> um, I don't know. I, I, can I throw it back at you, Red, while I consider? <laughs> oh, well, I'm a, I'm a total nerd. I think Tom, Har- um, Tom, Tom Harry. <laughs> Tom Harry. Tom Harry. Tom Paris would put me off, for sure. He's too pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he's, yeah. and Harry's a nerd. I mean, he's always voted the sexiest man alive, that actor, at, you know, in the 2000s. So it's not that he's not a Harry doctor. Kim was voted sexiest Garrett man alive. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Oh, and, the, and the people, you know, sexiest, you can maybe confirm that. But uh, I think he's uh, more my type. I think I mean, yeah, the sexiest would, man alive would go. My type be is someone type. who's very intelligent, but not into me, which is probably what would happen with Harry Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've made a decision. The right. answer is um, Tom Paris is probably more from the looks side of things, but Harry Kim, as you say, Red, because he's a bit more of a nerd. And yeah. a more, Could I just point out the irony of you both taking against him on that basis is what he was actually nominated for was one of People magazine's 50 most beautiful people yeah. in the world in 1997. And you're both well. taking against Tom Paris because he's too pretty. Yeah, but he's pretty and cocky. <laughs> Harry Kim is pretty and not cocky, I guess. <laughs> what it comes down to. Guys, look, I think they looking might be at men for their uh... personality instead of their looks. Shame on you. <laughs> yeah. Jenny, can I say something? I, I think I would be put off by some of the comments Tom Barris makes yes. that um, are intended as lighthearted, and but you know I'm uh, I can sometimes when I'm in a grumpy mood be quite an angry feminist. So I think this would upset me. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> I wouldn't find it appealing. It'd be like that 
that uh, that first scene <laughs> in the pilot. Um, yeah. So just to keep us moving on, I guess. Then they hit like a sudden shockwave, I believe, and we see Kez mm-hmm. in her quarters briefly, and she's kind of looking very disturbed, disturbed upset, yeah. unsettled. Uh, mm. We go back to the bridge, but everything is kind of okay. Shields holding, all systems operational. Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. They're heading towards a red dwarf system, and then mm. I don't know if anyone, because isn't there a, a UK sci-fi show called Red Dwarf? Red Dwarf, yes. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, but actually, there, there was something else that sort of happened that I was, and I absolutely love uh, the tale about how um, the actor who played. John Luke Picard actually found out about Red Dwarf, but that's something for another moment. Oh, okay. There's a slightly weird moment in which Janeway is like, "Are you familiar with any life forms in this system?" Oh to yeah, Neelix. Yes. And he's very awkward about how he answers that. Well, just before that, they do like they're doing some analysis, and they there's um, suggestion or evidence of a major destination nearby, which mm. is the source of the wave. I did try to take mm. some more notes on the what's actually happening on that. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, she goes to Neelix, asks him if he's familiar, and he is really awkward. And also, it's like, what is the point? Because he his whole selling point was, I know everyone in the region. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can understand him feeling awkward if he doesn't know anyone from anything. But still, he, yeah. Well, he okay. was kind of funny, I guess. His line was like, familiar? Well, actually, more. I can't. I didn't write it down, so. Well, I, I thought he was going to sort of hint that he wouldn't call himself friendly because yeah. everyone, you know, had a price on his head or something like that. But it turned out he just he just didn't know anyone, and that was quite an odd maybe, one for me. Maybe he felt yeah. awkward because that's yeah. his whole purpose, is to know um, a bit more. Yeah. But then Janeway does something that I think we're going to see often going forwards is she changes course to investigate. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Kez enters the bridge and she's she's looking very concerned um, Tom mm. finds the um, origin of the shockwave an M-class planet, zero life science but an mm. evidence of a prior civilization uh, mm. and so Jamie orders the, the away mission to go investigate uh, with Tom yeah. and and Kes, Ke, does Kes enter at that stage yeah. saying that she'd yeah. felt loads of or she'd felt something awful and there's images of her having a nightmare. She definitely enters at that point. Okay. Um, but I don't. So um, then they all, I guess, beam down to the planet. Uh, yeah. And it's they kind of in runs. And then it's the opening credits. Mm. Um, and we return. And Balana's doing her analysis. And she says something. I mean, some of the, uh, I think the language they use, I guess, or the dialogue is really interesting. But... Uh, when she says it seems like the entire surface of the planet has been seared, which I thought was quite a graphic, graphic. Uh, yeah, hmm. actually, seared is a very, very evocative word as opposed to, you know, burnt or something like that. Seared sort of has an intensity to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it stood out yeah. to me. And um, in the context of what happens later, it, all, it sort of adds a little bit of, wow, something really bad happened here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. It, um, what's that word? heightens the tension or uh, it it heightens how it feels when you find Mm. out the events later which is sort of weird it pre-seasons i don't know if you can talk about pre-seasoning an episode for emotional trauma but um, yeah maybe that's a good word i don't know it it does that it does that um yeah so a little bit more of the science or Mm. the star trek is polaric energy actually a thing because they're all talking about i did not google that but yes um 
<laughs> it seems so that I think it was a chain reaction in subspace likely caused by the ignition of a destination mm -hmm. of one or more polaric ion ion devices. Uh, and Tom Paris is like, the people never had a chance. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. they, then Tuvok has that bit about the Romulan test facility leading to the ban. And that's, mm -hmm. I guess, when I got some nuclear weapon vibes. I don't know about yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they yeah. talk about, um, they're sort of amazed that they used polaric energy to oh, yes. say something about they were channeling to into everyone's homes. Yes. It was a bomb in every home, of, yeah. And given, yeah, when this came out, it amazed me think whether there was, mm. was talking about People were a bit nervy um, about the future, as you said earlier, of nuclear. Um, yeah, nuclear that was energy. the line. That can that, yeah, can that replace fossil fuels in the sense that we'd get, be getting energy from that channeled into all our homes? And, you know, that could be really scary because mm. the disaster, disasters that could occur. Yeah, I mean, they use the phrase, a time bomb under every street or something. So it's yeah. very... Yeah. It, it, that's, yeah. It's it sort of, I mean, I don't know, it, um, there, there was lots about the episode and leaping it, I'm not going to leap ahead too much, but um, that did sort of make one think this might be sort of articulating a, a viewer stance on nuclear energy or just, hey, looked at objectively, if you were an outside actor, this is how it would look like, um, you know, a, a seemingly incredibly powerful energy source, but being used and prone to disasters with a group protesting against it, but almost so interwoven into a societal fabric that that protest is almost just doomed from point one, um, which was, again, interesting. Um, I wouldn't have thought that Star Trek would so soon in a series come out with um, a stance like that. But I don't know if I was the only one sort of reading them as sort of heavily negative about nuclear in stance, insofar as they alluded to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I uh, Maybe the writers wrote this and weren't considering nuclear energy at all, mm. because sometimes it seems like they say something and it turns out that wasn't on their mind. But there were a couple a of uh, phrases or that made me think, oh, is this mm. about... They might not have a stance, but they might... They are always testing the like boundaries of ideas or technology or mm. I got the impression um they didn't actually have a stance on it. But I think mm. again I I wouldn't be surprised to hear that that's wrong, that actually the people who created it were wildly against mm. using nuclear energy. But um my my initial take is that there wasn't a strong stance on it. It was more that they were exploring mm. the idea of it, um, because that mm. was topical at the time, you know, like how there was a, you know, idea, a rough idea at that time that there are going to be environmental issues with the continued use of fossil fuels and, and could nuclear be a potential replacement? And then there was a lot of concern about that and how dangerous it was. And it'd be interesting to look up when this episode was first broadcast in relation to like some of the sort of smaller disasters that happened. Um, yeah, when was Chernobyl? Yeah. Oof, yeah. Just curious, but um, I should, I should my, my impression is, and that's what I like about the, the show, is it, it just sort of raises those kind of issues and different perspectives, but doesn't necessarily force a viewpoint on the yeah on the audience mm. in the, in a, in which I find is quite different to a lot of the shows you watch now, which you feel like they're really trying to push an agenda. You know, they're, they're mm. saying this is wrong, and these characters are are right, and um, they're not just mm. giving you all the perspectives 
through the different characters and, and letting you sort of philosophize, you know, in your own head about it, which is, you know, I yeah. think that's lovely how they do that on Star Trek. You're supposed felt... to know who the goodies and the baddies are, whereas in Star Trek it can be a bit grey. Yeah, it's a bit blurred sometimes, isn't it? And then I think they kind of do the same thing um, later later on as well in that they don't... So this is what I've written. It's, a bit, it's one of these long sentences again. Mm. You have to bear with me. If they hadn't interfered, right, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the, the, the accident would, have would never have happened. But... If they hadn't interfered, the accident would have happened. Wait, hang on. <laughs> yeah. If they hadn't interfered, the incident wouldn't have happened. So if they hadn't also, interfered, if they the hadn't incident interfered, wouldn't have happened. The accident also, would have if happened. they had interfered, the incident, second loop round wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I know that because it sort of um, is playing to, you know, the prime directive and should you should you interfere to try and help um, when you think something is going mm. on that's wrong or that's going to cause others pain. And it doesn't really answer the question because no. they, they caused well, the accident, but they, they stopped the accident. And uh, I kind of love that you can see the both sides of the coin and then you're left to just consider. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that prime direct yeah. question is definitely left unresolved or, un, I think, as you say, it's kind of open-ended. Jamie? Mm. Um, well, I, I, I just was like, they violated the prime directive before knowing that they did it, and by the time that they knew they did it, you know, it was already done. If that makes sense, so I'm a bit like, I feel like you should be accountable for things that you knowingly, deliberately do, um, you know in terms of a deliberate action and so having gone there and just by being sucked into a temporal uh, a subspace fracture is that the term um that they didn't know about without knowing about it that was the point of violation and like they couldn't do anything about it they were uh unwilling and unwitting actors at that stage and so once you've sort of violated it is there any sort of protocol about what you do is it just get out or is it uh try and do everything you can to make sure that um, such violations you do isn't harm causing. Because those are those can lead folk down two different strands, mm. I feel. I think both, yeah. they had Tom arguing at the start for interfering, mm. even before they knew. Oh yeah, Tom, Tom doesn't think the temporal directive should drive people at all. He disagrees with it mostly because his dad was into it, apparently. <laughs> Family issues. <laughs> Um, I just had a horrible realization, but uh, it's not about Star Trek. But there's a chance there's a snake the, pa- by your foot. the power is going to go off, and even though I've charged my laptop, I would probably then u- lose internet. But let's power ahead. Let's, let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's do it. Let's it, it we'll keep it, going. Do you don't have to, to plug it into? No, no, they have rolling no, power, power cuts. Uh, oh, so sorry. Okay. I just how, had that how horrible. How do they happen out there? Um, it depends. I mean, here they've been happening about twice a day for two hours at a time. But it's normally like six to eight, Some maybe sometimes during the day earlier, and there might be one like, I don't know. Should we, know. you know, for the viewer's benefit, say what country you're in, Red? Oh, yes, I'm in South Africa. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> but, uh, there's a problem with delivering power. Um, so, yeah, so that's, you know, when they, there's a kind of ominous scene and there's a... Um, time bomb under every street 
Then we just see mm. back to Kez's quarters, and she's again very distressed. She's <coughs> oh sorry. Oh bless you. Uh, yeah, I better get some water soon. But she's had some kind of telepathic experience that she's trying to share with Neelix, I think. Who mm. isn't particularly supportive initially? Like there can't be anything. What What are you talking about? Um, and almost serves as a vehicle. And and I don't know. I thought it had been established beforehand that uh, her folk can listen to messages and it would uh, telepathically, and it stands to reason from that that there might be more there. Yeah, he was a bit sceptical. Yeah, he wasn't she particularly was supportive. Convinced. I was like, you're being a real dick here, Neil. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, she's obviously at grappling with this. So then we go back to the planet, and Tom yeah. finds that timepiece, which I guess is going to prop up again. And it's frozen mm. at the time of the uh, detonation or explosion. Mm. Um, and then he has that brief experience where he, I guess, how would you describe it? The he senses, he sees uh, a different scene in front of him. Far from being in this like absolutely clouded, dark ruin of a place, he finds himself in a sunny, crowded, very friendly sort of space with children running around and playing and adults going about their business and ivy hanging off walls and things, which is entirely different to where he is. And that happens a couple of times. Um, And the first two times, everyone's like, you've been there the whole time. And this this is a a bit of a weird thing. So he's been there the whole time that he's experiencing the temporal um, disturbance. And then it happens... And apparently he vanishes from where he was and Janeway is sort of sucked into it as well. Yeah, so he, when he kind of returns, they, Bellana scans him with the trackboard, I think, and she could tell that his nervous system is in temporal flux. Um, mm. And then Tuvok realizes that the chain reaction probably ruptured subspace. And so that mm. they, I mean, I like that. I think you've already said it, but there are these subspace fractures floating like icebergs across the planet, which again, I thought was mm. quite a visual description of what's going on. I think... Mm. Later on, they kind of say he must have just been able to look into one or something before mm. he was actually taken by one. And then I think Janeway realizes what's going on, so she tries to beam them out to make sure they don't enter one of these mm. fractures. It's too late for Tom, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think they say something like he's, he was just in the entryway yeah. of the fracture, and that's why they mm. could still see him that time. But then they're pulled right in um, when they... Yeah go back in time and so essentially they've gone back in time that is what's happening right because i know that seems obvious but i was like it hasn't really been explained that way because of subspace fractures icebergs (laughs) i was like (laughs) essentially they've just gone back in time i think i think that's what they mean because she generally sort of refers it to that in that way later on doesn't she when she's trying to explain to those uh, it's not like a parallel um Existence. I think it's back in time. That's what it is. Mm. Um, and then we have this. So Tom and Jamie are back in the on the planet, but the pre-explosion planet. Uh, we mm. meet that little kid who reacts very badly to their arrival. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's I very mean, cute. He does say that they're devils, and it's demons, like demons. Yeah. Demons. Yeah. And they don't look that dissimilar as a species to the folk who were there. I mean, there's... They they're, they're out of nowhere, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but... I leave aside like... a bit of, you know, s- spatial apparition and 
demon. If you sort of ignore that, they don't look like a completely different species. Um, although I do love the fact that um, Janeway spins an entire cover story about them being from Kalto province because of the fact that a guard takes the piss out of their uniform as being a bit formal, even for Kalto province. Yeah, she really tries to... Uh, she spins a she whole cover story, that. which we, yeah, I guess emerges at the time. But um, mm. I did like that little line where the security guy is trying to get rid of the kid. He's like, have a confection bar, which I just thought was funny. Oh, like, yeah. have a, you know, go have a sweet toy. Right. I did make mm. a note of that whole scene, actually, because, I, yeah, the, I love the language. It's hilarious. And also, mostly because it reminds me of, like, middle-class 50s kind of language. Mm. <laughs> like, like, run along, young fellow. Have a confection yeah. bar. <laughs> That's yeah, a really good point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> He's really it. channeling a universal policeman. Because right at the end, they kind of say they're a pre-warp civilization. So, like, pre-warp... 1950s, I don't know, that kind of makes that makes sense. Yeah. I also really quite enjoyed Janeway's what in this day and age can only be described as gaslighting of the young kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, they appeared out of nowhere. What are you talking about? We just came around the corner. <laughs> that <laughs> is true. going to be traumatized. It is, <laughs> but is he true. also does some good detective work and like digs into their backstory and finds out that they're yeah, clearly lying lucky. about something. I, I like him. I'm, I'm impressed by him. He uh, he stands up to the gaslighting. I wonder yeah. whatever happened to him now. You know. Yes, I'm sorry. I don't do any research to... about the actors, or you'll have to listen to <laughs> uh, Delta Flyers for that information. <laughs> um, nice. Then Tom is drawn to that like display, and I guess he finds the timepiece that he found on the other side of the iceberg, mm. for want of a better phrase. Mm. And at the time, Subspace I guess, it's fracture. counting down to the time that he knows the explosion is going to happen. So they realize. Mm. The world is going to be destroyed tomorrow. Mm. Tomorrow. Oh, this. So then we go back to Voyager, and uh, we hear about of Chakotay's log. Still no sign of Tom and Tom mm. Harris and Jamie. And then we see Harry giving that explanation. Sorry, this is not on video. <laughs> of what happened? Yeah, did anyone it's, else it's, laugh the when he like his fractures are big here and narrow here? Yeah, when he did his like hand signals, if he was giving a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, I will not hear a word <laughs> against 1997's most beautiful man's no, PowerPoint presentation technique. Like, I will not hear a word against it. Um, as he's explaining, he's like... HW Strategic Mindscape Architects would have that man in an instant. Oh, in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, there was a lot of techno stuff here, so I don't know how far you went into it all, but Harry and Blana believe that Tom and Janeway entered in the narrow end of the subspace fracture. Um, and oh. so they realize that they they exist in a place a few hours before the explosion. Um, mm. And Tuvok's and the like... builds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tuvok's like, because he knows Janeway, he's like, well, uh, Captain will probably activate a subspace beacon. And then Harry Kim's like, well, we're counting on it. And he describes mm. a plan to listen for the signal and widen the fracture, even though they don't actually know how to widen the fracture. Mm. But they can listen. Mm. I've already had to listen to that a few times too. Quite. Yeah, <laughs> it's different so watching and understanding and watching <laughs> and being able to then talk about it or say what happened. Mm. Mm. I just let that all the sort of fantasy science side just wash <laughs> over me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, we're in the sick bay, and I did love even his first line from the doctor. Just boom. Mm. Hmm. I mean, I can't do it. It's oh, funny. oh my goodness! He's just so funny. I know. So first of all, he's like, "You guys haven't been registered with me." 
you know, I can't look at your brain. It's not on file. Didn't didn't Starfleet carry out protocol when you guys are on board? Uh, and then he successively finds out that his domain has been extant, expanded, not just to undocumented um, aliens from the local uh, quadrant, but also an entire additional ship's crew. And you sort of sense that he keeps asking Kez to make sure she shuts him down once they're finished. That's all he's worried about. Every yeah. time he gets a little <laughs> bit more nervous about the situation. And um, yeah, he, he clearly resents it, but also his bedtime manner is just, yeah. And at the end, um, he's like, you have the healthiest brain of anyone I've ever seen of your species. You have the only brain of anyone <laughs> I've ever seen of your species. Go home, get some street, drink plenty of fluids. Yeah. How I will mean, that help the brain? Everyone should drink plenty of fluids. Exactly. I mean, this, he's got some really good lines there, which you've, you've given. But when he finds out that they haven't uh, registered their medical details, the Marquis ha- haven't, but the captain <laughs> has disappeared, he really just is like... He's just like, shut me down yesterday. He takes it all so personally for a hologram. Well, I've got to say, I side completely with the doctor in this yes. instance. I'm <laughs> like, I would be outraged if I was the <laughs> medical you know, director you know, and mm-hmm. that no one had provided a whole load of people, a whole extra crew, aliens, no medical records, no screening, no quarantine. They'd all just turned up on the ship. Like, who knows what kind of infections and outbreaks and things that mm-hmm. go on. This is, I mean, this is very mm-hmm. like is very medical, <laughs> medical screening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't wonder he's outraged. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, I did like, uh, yeah, he had some funny lines there. He also said, you have a lovely brain, uh, which cares. And then Oof. that drink plenty of fluids, I think was very funny. I feel like that was a dig oh. at doctors. Cause you know, when you go to the doctor and they don't really know what to help, they can't yeah. buy it. They're like, it's like, like well, you're just stressed or just drink. Drink loads of water. Drink loads of water. <laughs> which is, to be honest, why I don't go to the doctor. Don't follow my lead. But I'm always <laughs> like, they're not going to be able to tell me anything. I don't know really. <laughs> that line always reminds me whenever, whenever you hear someone say drink plenty of fluids and I use it too um, the scene and I think it must be like the Big Bang Theory or something with mm. Sheldon Cooper says well of course I'd drink fluids what else would I drink solids it's yeah. <laughs> a good point <laughs> it's a funny yeah. phrase but it's true you could just say you know drink a, you know, drink <laughs> a lot of water or something <laughs> um, so let me head back we back on the planet pre-explosion uh, and I mm. noticed that uh, Janeway and Paris have found new clothes to try to blend, blend in. Mm. And Sexy uh, outfits. Se- oh, yeah. Very, <laughs> that color scheme. <laughs> wow. wow, yeah. <laughs> I like love it. Ill, Ill-fitting, so they look like tourist t-shirts, but also announced they're not from around there. I, I really liked some of the subtler touches of how they made them wear the local garb. Yeah, they... I mean, the, the fashion situation in this uh in this particular mm-hmm. episode is fascinating to me because number one they all wear it's not like they're similar types they wear the exact same mm. garments like with the corset and the layers mm. of stripe of the same colors um which kind of suggests like they have the they have a uniform that for the people the whole mm. people you know mm. um, and the other thing which is hilarious is that then they give the old uniforms to the shopkeeper who puts them in the window and everyone <laughs> stares <laughs> at them like they're the most amazing outfits they've mm. ever seen <laughs> oh i missed that but probably because i was taking some notes oh but yeah mm. that is um very interesting i didn't actually notice they were all wearing 
but I just the red, mm. brown, yellow bleh, color scheme. <laughs> mm. There's too many warm colors there for me. Um, oh, this is when I guess this is when the, um, the captain and Tom have that interesting discussion on the Prime Directive. Um, yeah, Tom. Tom. And we learn more about Tom's dad, father. Yeah, yeah. Without much other than he views his father's dictates negatively, mm. but that Janeway, independently of his dad, sort of agrees with them strongly. Yeah, and you wonder, like as you said, I think does he disagree? Does Tom disagree with his dad because of his dad, mm. <laughs> because he would genuinely mm. act differently? Uh, then they encounter that kid again, who, who in my notes I say, who's been sleuthing. I don't know why that word came to mind. Sleuthing. Oh yes, he has though. But he's like uh, he's busted their story wide open. Which, um, <laughs> uh, but Tom manages to scare him off by saying, you know, maybe we are demons or threatening mm. to eat him. Uh, yeah, which is always a good way of getting rid of a child who thinks you may be a subject of demonic possession. <laughs> yeah, I think Tom has a great line in that when when the kids. Um, saying, well, there were only two people who arrived on the transport. I checked, and they had a child with them, so I know it wasn't you. And they say, it was us. That was us. You're wrong. He says, well, then where's the child? And Tom <laughs> said, we ate him. <laughs> <laughs> I will eat you too if you don't piss off, basically. <laughs> so I think that... Oh, my gosh. Your guy's memory is amazing. Anyway, that's all well, I I just really like that line. I just yeah, love the way he delivers great. as well. We yeah. ate him. That's <laughs> it's good. a great line. It was great comic timing. Mm. Um, then I think they actually see the polaric energy conduits under the street or running alongside the street. Um, I think that's mm. what happened next. And that's, I feel like, inspires some creative problem solving from the both of them. And they kind of kind of land on the question or hypothesis, whatever, maybe they can use the polaric energy or power to get them back. Um, mm. So that means they're going to head straight to the power station, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure that would have been yeah. my first thought. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, but the, at the power station they find themselves, but when they get there, there's a demonstration going on, and there's, uh, first of all, some police uh, making tokenistic efforts to hold people back with pseudo-truncheons, and then one of the policemen decides he's had enough and just takes what is the closest thing to a machine gun I've seen on a Star Trek oh. uh, episode, and just fires it up in the air indiscriminately. Um, and then someone, uh, in what feels like the only time I... I ever heard of this happening in Star Trek sparks the skipper out with one punch. <laughs> yeah, she gets taken down. January gets one-shotted. Um, yeah, so they line up in this melee of protesters mm. uh, who are pushed back by security, and I guess they get, um, what's the word? I don't want kidnapped by those protesters? Uh, well, if they, theoretically, the protesters are rescuing them from the police, but then yeah. the protesters decide these don't Look like typical folk from Calto province. Oh, yeah. That Maybe cover is not working. <laughs> to, to use uh, your French pronunciation of uh, melee or melee, uh, melee, as my prompt, no uh, maybe they uh, consider them to be potential agents provocateurs. Great In Janeway's provocatrice. Um, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, they, they start questioning them and getting yeah. stuck so, into them. Uh, before that, we go back to Voyager. And we also notice the kid is still spying on them, but mm. he doesn't get caught up in them. Mm. Fracas. Sorry, I don't know what's happening with my <laughs> vocabulary. Um, so we're back on Voyager and engineering, and we see that uh, Balan and Harry have come up with a solution that can widen the mm. fracture. Uh, 
But this mm. Polaric generator has limitations. You can only use it once per location. Um, mm. So they can't like just recharge it and use it again in the mm. same spot. Um, and they've also developed those great uh, anti-Polaric field bangles, armbands, whatever, to repel <laughs> the fractures. <laughs> yeah. Jewelry. Um, and then um, Kez and Helix enter engineering, and Kez is already insistent that she needs to go with them on this rescue mission or away mission. Mm. Anything to add there? No. Only that no, I, I did find in places this one was a little bit more slow moving than some of the others. So um, that's my long winded way of saying no, I don't have much to add. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got to say there was like, this was more like, I guess, just, uh, I thought of it like it's just kind of action. Or, I mean, like, when I say action, I mean, like, um, I didn't have a lot of emotional connection to this episode. Mm. Uh, that's just me, obviously. But, Not uh, quite as engaging as some of the other ones. Yeah. I guess they were just getting going. I feel like they were finding their feet a little bit. Yeah. Um, and sort of bonding as a, as a um, crew cast, I guess it's called. Yeah, I mean, so I don't feel, I'm just kind of, mm. re uh, kind of reviewing what happened because I don't actually have a lot of... Um, Notes apart from that, although I always have some lines that I like. Um, so let me back on the planet uh, pre-explosion. So the pre—that's how I'm defining it. Pre and post. Uh, Jamie and Tom are being held by mm. Pinar, Mikkel, and Nai Terla. I'm sure oh, the wow. pronunciation well is wrong. I had to. <laughs> I that's couldn't have told you any good. names. That is very good. Yeah, I've forgotten all their names. I <laughs> know oh, I wrote it down. And Nai, Nai seems very suspicious that they are those agents provocateurs. <laughs> Mm -hmm. provocateur and that's not the Mel Gibson guy. <laughs> uh, he's yeah, one of them, yeah, yeah the blonde yeah. guy. The blonde, the blonde guy, guy is the leader, but the other guy is very suspicious because um, yeah, they think that sus. they've been sent by the government to sus AF them. is how he views them. Yeah. Um, and they're not buying Janeway's story uh, because I guess they believe that they must have been in the um, power facility because they've scanned them for polaric ions and their levels are so high that they've either been mm. at the power station or been at the site of a disaster bigger than they've ever had in their history which you like again yeah. is that premonition <laughs> yeah but again if you're in their shoes it's actually and you know you don't realize that aliens have infiltrated your society to save you from pseudo-nuclear apocalypse yeah. it's a reasonable assumption this bunch yeah. of oddballs no one has ever known you know, if you're in that situation on planet Earth and at a protest and um, a bunch of people who are biologically dissimilar or appear biologically dissimilar, you know, or just completely weird, suddenly turned up out of nowhere, would you think aliens or would you think, you know, potential government agents? Yeah. And I mean, at this stage, Janeway is still trying to pretend they're from the Calto province. Mm. So she's mm. still... Calto, not Calto. Calto, oh, sorry. So out come the guns, as I phrased it. Uh, yeah. Um, the um, guns from Pinar and Nye. Isn't Calto the name of, like, the Vulcan game oh, the of game. logic? game, yes. <laughs> the game of what? Vulcan game of logic or something? Yeah. Did they play it on much on Voyager? Yeah. I feel like I saw a lot but of that on District. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually, it being the name of the Vulcan game of logic is ironic, as uh, for the first time that I've seen him, Tuvok, this episode, gives up on logic at one stage. Yes. There is no reason idea. to believe anything Kez says could have any basis in reality. However, I have no other option, so I'm going to go with it. <laughs> well, he knows his limitations, and for that I respect him. But 
you know that. <laughs> um, so then we are on, back on the we are on the planet, but it's a post-explosion world. So that's the away team rescue mission that's taking place, and mm. Kez is there, so Chakotay has taken Kez, mm. and she can really strongly sense the people. And at first, I think they mean like mm. I think Chakotay's like yes, it's like walking through a grave, and she's like no, I can almost touch them. Mm. Um, I, did, I did enjoy. I can't remember if it's this scene or the earlier one where um, uh, Tuvok says, "Please elaborate." <laughs> very logical yes, question. Probably. Like, what mm. sense them? What, what, what do yeah. you mean by that? Please explain more. Mm. <laughs> Please elaborate. Uh, I think the main thing to take away from the scene, well, for me, was that the they don't actually find any subspace fractures in the area, and they that means they, mm. they're dissipating. So it's going to be harder to find um, the captain and mm. Tom. Uh, then, but Harry starts picking up a signal from a comms badge, but not a subspace beacon, and he leads the way to the source of the beacon. And like from here on, we're kind of switching quite a lot between, mm. you know, pre-explosion, post-explosion. Um, uh, but the next thing we we back with Janeway and Tom and the, those two men and Nye brings in the kid who's been sneaking around. Mm. Um, sneaking, you say? Yeah. Sneak. Well, sleuthing, sleuthing around. Cool. Um, cool, 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 I, I, I thought for some reason I heard sleeping and I was like, that's, that's really, really bad. Um, and yeah, sorry. And he just through. blows their cover story out the water, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. he's like. But seriously, what sort of a, a rebel group worth its salt just listens to any random eight-year-old they pick up off the street? I mean, Jeepers Creepers, you didn't see Obi-Wan and the Jedi listening to this kid saying, those aren't the droids you're looking for or the Death Star you're looking for. He was just funny. He, I guess he wanted to show off all his, uh, his workings. I'm, 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 <laughs> I, I'm angry at the plot device. I'm sorry. It's just where I am. Okay. Well, he, he was a cover story, but for that, he's rewarded by being like imprisoned with Tom on the staircase. I mean, he's put in the north corner, <laughs> essentially, mm. I guess. But... Mm. I, I, it's, it's a good point about the prison. <laughs> yeah. Little step. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, literally sitting on the naughty, like naughty step or something. Naughty step, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we go back to the post-explosion planet, and one of the away team finds the combat. And I thought this was really interesting. Um, I don't know who said it, but the combat badge will automatically activate uh, when the casing is destroyed to help search for survivors. Yeah, I didn't even knew that about Star Trek badges. Yeah, Starfleet badges. Yeah, they seem very, um, you know, either unconcerned or you know holding it together when they find the destroyed comm badges. I think I might be a little bit more upset myself yeah. if I find the destroyed comm badges because it doesn't bode well, does it? No, it doesn't. But that that is that yeah. this interesting. I think the term is couplet of dialogue. I don't know. The Balan mm. is like. I guess that means they were caught in an explosion. And two mm. it only means their combat just caught in the explosion. I suggest we search for other tangible evidence. Um, mm. So he is, maybe that's denial, or maybe that's logic, I'm not sure. Um, mm. But it is annoying when people leap to conclusions and you're like, do we actually have data for that? Well, maybe I get annoyed at that in my work. But <laughs> mm. um, uh, then we're back to um, the planet pre-explosion. And mm. I think they find Tom and Janeway's tricorders. 
leading to yeah. more questions. And like, I have to say, Janeway is ridiculous houses. cover story. Yes, <laughs> buying the property. <laughs> you need to survey houses with these. They're, pro- they're house surveying devices. I mean, good thinking like, on the spot, but I would feel like in our space, you might need a more elaborate cover story, but maybe... Well, work. hey, this is a pre-warp civilization, although it's not It's not True. long after that that True. then Janeway is just like, I'm dropping it. I'm, I'm going nuclear <laughs> and trying to see if I can convince... I'd like, fuck the Prime Directive. It's fucked anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna te- I'm, I will tell all and see if I can convince them. And obviously they, they don't believe it for a moment. But I'm a bit like, surely, surely, if you're a Starfleet captain with a comms badge and a gun, you could demonstrate somehow that, you know... You were you were an alien of some description, like scan my gene code or something like that. I guess well, she's she still holding. Say, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. What? Uh, no, I think I was I was going to say what you mentioned earlier that she does say like she's got a tricorder that she could use to mm. um, prove it, but then they won't let her touch that because it might be mm. a weapon. Mm. Um, and it, mm. as it turns out, her fuck the prime directive. <laughs> As you so eloquently put it, um, there was a rationale for doing that. It turns out later on that she explains to Tom. Yeah. She says, I realised violated it. That, yeah, we 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 have had an impact mm. on the explosion because the explosion would have been at mm. a different time period. The reason it happened when it did is because we arrived here and we moved up the plan. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so by that logic. They should now interfere to try and rectify the mm. changes they've already made. Yeah. Um, very com- confusing. But I think she clings to that cover story and the prime directive for quite a long time in the face of her. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Mainly that child budding journalist, because it turns out, I think his name is Let- Latika. Uh, Le- Latika. 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 He's a budding journalist. And, and uh, him and Tom have that little bonding moment on the naughty step. And then Tom's mm. like, I'm sorry. And the kid is like, why? He's like, I just am. Because he yeah, knows his career is about to be short. He's, yeah, he's, he's about to like potentially be the reason why this kid's entire civilization goes up. Yeah. Seared in a polaric apocalypse. Yeah. Um, so then we find out a bit more about Pinar and his group of patriots, they called, I think. And they yeah. believe Polaric Energy has potential to destroy the entire world. Mm. And they feel like they have growing support uh, in their movement and the companies, energy companies, I guess, are becoming mm. afraid of them. Uh, and they have a plan, um, which well, is due to begin... It's not clear what their plan no, is, not. is it? But it is clear that it's due to start at 400 rotations tomorrow, which they know yeah. is the... So they, I guess, piecing things together. And then mm. there's a, that sudden kind of telepathic link between Kez and Janeway. She's like, um, she's there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sort of ironic because that telepathic link will be the reason why, to a greater or lesser extent, they are aware of the fact that Janeway is there later mm. on in the episode and continue trying to search for her. But also the way in which things turn out at the end, it is the one capacity of the cruise which has most doubt cast on it at the end. Because ra- rather than, you know, everyone remembering, well, maybe I'm jumping ahead, uh, how much value it bought and how actually her telepathic powers worked, 
at the end, you've got Kez having some sort of link and being the only one who actually knew what happened, coming into the crew and uh, saying, oh, actually, I'm going to give it away, so let, let's carry on where we were. Sorry. Yeah, no, no problem. But, um, yeah, they kind of... Uh... And at that point, Janeway decides to be honest and gives her proper name and rank. So she mm. says, I'm the captain of the starship. Voyager. Yeah, but I am um, from Janeway. Yeah. And meanwhile, back you know, uh, in the future, I guess, Kez can feel their presence and knows that they've been in that specific area. Mm. So Chakotay is like, you know, orders them to start setting up the equipment. Mm. And mm. we go back to... Free time. Well, I'm getting confused. And Janeway's uh, continuing with the truth. And Tom is actually a bit upset. You know, um, the kid is thrilled because the kid's like, I told you so. Or I'm not sure what his exact <laughs> line is, but he's like, um, mm. he was right. Um, and Janeway tries to warn about the explosion because she thinks the Patriots are going to cause the explosion, I guess, at that point. Um, mm. But the Patriot leader is not buying Janeway's uh, explanation. Uh, and the rescue crew managed to establish contact with Janeway through the commerce badge, but the commerce badge mm. goes off in front of everyone, so it's confiscated. And then you just see them left behind on the table as everyone's leaving the room. You're like, oh no. Mm. Well, that's how I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh well no, I was I was I was like, oh no, I was, you know, relieved because you you realise that point. Ah, if they were separated from their commerce badges, then there's a chance that they survive. I mean realistically you know they're gonna survive, but, but still <laughs> you, you say yes, that's how they survive because their commerce badges may have been destroyed, but they weren't. Ah, yes, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so now I think we are heading towards the power facility. Uh, they are being, I guess, held at gunpoint when they've been mm. Janeway in Paris or being forced to help the Patriots yeah. break into the facility because they try to get Janeway to. Yeah. How would you and say do you know it? what? At this point, I am so disappointed in the response when. Janeway, you know, she goes up, she's very brave, and she says, I am a hostage. (laughs) (laughs) These men, or whatever she says. Anyway, and then the the one lone guard basically just sort of stumbles backwards and (laughs) is immediately overcome. Like, (laughs) he's useless. (laughs) And and then, and not only that, but then the the protester shouts at Janeway, their deaths are on you. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is when, like, Tom dives in front of... Uh, the kid. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tom takes a bullet for the kid, doesn't he, in that scene? Yeah. Um, oh, also, sorry, just go back a little bit. I think Tom, uh, this is when we they kind of have that discussion as they're walking along together, being forced towards the path. So, see, you know, why she went against the Prime Directive. Uh, and she's like, well, we broke it just by being here. And Tom is like, what? And then she explains the shift in their timeline or schedule for the, you know, this um, sabotage mm. or whatever they're going to. Um, mm. You can say it in the episode. You don't have to put it in the chat. <laughs> um, I, I just, I just want. Sorry, I just feel that they're trying to position Tom as not a bad guy by the end of the episode. Hence, jumping in front of a bullet. Yeah, he has a he has a character. Um, mm. But there's something I feel like Tom speaks like for all us laymen again because like you're saying we're responsible for an explosion even though it occurred before our ship arrived, which was mm. a lot like the last episode, right? When he's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In the um, ready room, not the ready room, or rather, and he's like, he's, I can't remember what he says. He's like, oh, am I being stupid or am I wrong? And they're like, yes, you're wrong, Tom. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? But we had that whole one. He's, he's yeah. kind of being positioned as like the, the dumb blonde, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. 
who just his, his, failed the, the temporal Trek. mechanics, you know, one on one. Trek equivalent of the face from the A team. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But again, the, Jamie's answer is kind of a bit short. She's like, yes, but because we traveled back in time before the explosion. So it's like, I still don't quite understand, but I can't really wrap my head around it. Mm. Can I travel? Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Um, and Tom argues that it would have happened anyway, but uh, Janeway sees it as their problem to solve. It would have happened anyway because it wouldn't have happened because it would have happened. <laughs> yes, it's Jenny, it's... what you said at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, well, well, no, I, I do follow Janeway, and I do agree with Janeway to this point because those protester people, they were going to do it in a week. And mm. because of Janeway, um, they decided to move it up to the next day. And mm. so, so Janeway and Tom have directly impacted a ta- the change in when the protesters mm. were going to sabotage um, the, the power plant. And as she says, like you just don't know all the things that could have happened if they'd done it a week mm. later. Like all the different, it might have been time for them to the authorities to find them out and stop it going ahead, or um, mm. you know, multiple other factors that could have got involved. So I kind of. Kind of follow her logic. Kind of agree with yeah. her. Yeah. Like, now it's entirely your responsibility because I mean she didn't mean obviously didn't mean to do it, but still mm. they're yeah. responsible. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean I don't I don't disagree, but it's just an interesting conversation where she explains herself, I guess, and what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although got- it is a shame because, like as Jamie said earlier, um, I do rather enjoy the one the element if if you imagine as she didn't really have an. An explanation. She just wanted to fuck the prime director. <laughs> just decided to say fuck it. <laughs> the police. Yeah. Um, so back on Voyager, they're running out of time, and I think they come up with a theory that she might go back to the source of the explosion because that's I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly why. I don't know. But they're debating on whether she would do that or not because that would violate or could violate the prime director. Yeah. Mm. Tuvok uh, does not think that it is in her character to go. Yeah, Tuvok yeah. does not, and she shows immense personal growth to go beyond that. I think. <laughs> yeah, and it's a Chakotay who's like, "Well, I would." So he kind of he sets the course of action yeah. based on what he would do. I think. But I, I think yeah. Chakotay, there seems to be a little bit of nominalism to him because he he, he says, "I would." But I think there's also an acknowledgement there that he's a different character to Captain Janeway yeah. and indeed Tuvok. So he's, he's effectively saying that I don't necessarily think that Janeway necessarily would, but it is possible. Yeah. Mm. So, Maybe it's like a setting it up sort of precursor as well to, when, to showing actually how alike Janeway and Chakotay really are. And, you know, they have their sort of moment later in later seasons where they sort of get a bit closer, you know, and mm. it's setting out for that saying, actually, they're not that different after all. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like his Poor natural instinct was, <laughs> yes, that doesn't last very long, that flirtatious. I, w- yes, I wonder ma'am. if the directors, <laughs> they, ever, they ever considered a Janeway Tuvok <laughs> uh, affair. Yeah, that would have been, well, I guess he was married. <laughs> that that would have taken. I mean, I I haven't really watched much of this, but I feel this would take this in a in a direction it never was going to go. <laughs> they're very close, but they're just. I do like it because I do like that uh, depiction. I think, as we discussed before, friendship, especially mm. male female friendship. Yeah, which yeah. I don't know. I don't see. Well, you see a lot of now, yeah. but maybe at the time. 
I think I, I kind of uh, mostly women who are the problem. No, sorry, I don't mean I don't mean that. I'm so. How do we boot him off the call, Jenny? I, <laughs> I do not, for the record, that was a statement that does not represent my views and was said to deliberately send up those <laughs> of my gender who do feel that way. Um, I will be handing myself in for re-education shortly. <laughs> Um, I think, sorry, we covered some of his books. I got a bit uh, lost in my notes, but um, this is I actually where we see the like trying to get into the uh, facility and this Tom dives mm. around the boy. And they, but um, so Jamie has to leave Tom with Latika uh, and she pursues mm. the Patriots into the power plant, as I'm calling it. Mm. And uh, she kind of can see that they're getting ready to sabotage. Well, they're planting some kind of device. We don't yeah, actually know what they're like planning. it looks like sabotage, but it isn't that. And yeah, what is it yeah. that they're planning? And this is, this is, I think, the really sort of clever plot twist at the end. Yeah. In that, in everything that they have been doing to try and um, prevent the detonation, they've actually been bringing it to pass as the actual trigger for the detonation isn't going to be... Janeway and co uh, isn't going to be uh, protesters and co sabotaging the plant. It's going to be the subspace fracture being broken open yeah. by the Star Trek team device in that scene, which then triggers the explosion and kills everyone as they try and rescue Janeway, who was caught in the explosion caused by her own presence there before she ever got there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, I mean, which is nominal and tenuous, but hey, let, let's use another temporal loop that doesn't have a causal chain in it uh, as a plot device twice in three episodes. Um, but, but uh, yeah, sorry, go on. And also, then that leads I, us to the denouement. After, after, there's a lot of questions about this, but and oh, I just, I just like to add one. another one. <laughs> See, I'm just wondering what caused the the final. Mm. The final sort of twist of fate, as it were, that that she took her phaser, whatever it was, tripod, mm. I don't know, and fired it at the hole they were trying to create to rescue her to mm. stop the explosion. Because presumably, in an, an alternate mm. reality where the explosion did go off, she decided not to do that. So, what changed in this one to make her do that? I'm that forever curious. That's a good question because we are assuming that there was a previous yeah. version. Of time, of the time continuum. Maybe the previous time that she was there, she didn't know that. Yeah, and yeah, there are sort of some temporal logics and causal chain logics that don't work. Um, but the previous time she was there, she didn't know that them breaking in to save her from the temporal loop caused by the explosion that she caused before being there was caused by <laughs> the rescue attempt to rescue I her from the, the temporal loop. Um, whereas this time round, she was aware that her own rescue attempt was the thing that triggered the apocalyptic polaric apocalypse. What? How and therefore decided... Time? But you know what? The thing, because... I, I... Can I just jump in there? They do have episodes um, in Star Trek where you realize that, and the crew realizes they're in this loop that they can't get out of. I don't think this is one of those episodes. I don't think it's meant to be. So, no, so she's. I feel like maybe something else. She's quite selfless there. Cause the explosion, but then they're going. 
to rescue cause the explosion no. in a different way to how it would have happened. Because the the whole thing, this one is where she seals it with the phaser, that sort of entrance portal that the team are trying to blast in, where she seals that. Yeah. What happens then is that means the explosion doesn't happen then or at all. Yeah. Which no. means <laughs> there's no subspace fracture, which means she goes back to where she came from temporally originally. Yeah. Because causally, the explosion no, no, I, I, I happened there never today, happened. But I hadn't considered that maybe they had been through this loop a couple of times, but I had kind of assumed. Well, I hadn't really thought about how that. Well, yeah, because the first yeah. time they this happened, because when they first arrived in the very beginning of the episode of the planet, they could see that the explosion did happen. Yeah, no, I know the explosion. <laughs> so, so it makes you, yeah, it makes you think. Well, what about it? Well, how did it change this time? Mm. No, I mean, that is a really good point, and I just hadn't thought of the episode like that, I guess. But uh, my only interjection or comment here is, like, when I was looking how to spell the Patriots' names, it was a review for the episode, and the guy was like, this is one of the weakest temporal time travel or whatever. And I didn't read any further, because I was like, do not say anything bad about Star Trek. I still got a rating of seven or something. But I was like, so there could be some holes in this episode, but um, <laughs> we might tie ourselves up to not trying to... Um, figure it out um so yeah so but yeah we kind of have this thing being set up i guess but and the team trying to they trying to find the flashpoint of explosion and finding it mm -hmm. and setting up equipment um kez is there she's like this is the right spot this is where she died i think is the line she has yeah you have Janeway in the facility and she's got her weapon and she's like seeing the patriots mm. um and she thinks they've preparing to sabotage or to, like a, mm. um, create an explosion but actually I think what's interesting is that one line because she has um, she gets a weapon or she has a weapon and she points it at the patriots and she's like insisting that they just don't do anything until the time has passed the yeah. 400 rotations and he's actually like he hints that she's more of a risk to them and the planet just with her weapon because she, if she yeah. fires that that will so it's almost like yeah. a premonition yes. of but she's exactly. actually bringing the danger into the situation. I just realized yeah. that as we were talking. When when he points that out, I remember thinking when the first time I watched this, that, oh, oh that's how it happened. This is the tragedy. It's because of that, and that's the twist, because it's yeah. her weapon yeah. that somehow goes off. But in fact, yeah. that isn't the twist. There's another twist. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, and then, they're and then they're talking there, and then they see the evidence of them trying to cut through subspace or whatever they're trying to do. And then she mm. has that, I guess, moment of realization where she's like, um, <laughs> it's her rescue that's going to cause the, um, the yeah. annihilation. I thought I wrote it's down the line. Oh, yeah. It's nightmare, isn't it? Cause... Yeah. Yeah. Our own rescue attempt. That's attempt. That's what sets it mm. off. And so she asks for her weapon back, as you think said, and she manages mm. to close the hole. And on the other on the other side, they're trying to you know, maximize generator output, whatever, trying to come through. <laughs> like, no, stop. Uh, but Janeway succeeds. And that's mm. kind of, as you described, takes us back as if nothing has happened. Mm. So we're back on the bridge. Yeah, so it's the familiar plot device of... Uh, actually, I'm not going to try and pretend like I can summarise the temporal loop 
caused by stuff that didn't happen when you weren't there because it did happen before you were there, after you were there. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen really that Michael Spicer just... sketch, but um, do you, who was the guy who directed Inception? Do you know? Uh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, th- there's a famous sort of sketch uh, by Michael uh, Spicer, uh, which I'm going to paste in here, which is basically... That moment, uh, you realise you don't understand the plot in a Michael in a um, oh, what was the name of the in a Christopher Nolan um, movie, which is basically that. Um, but I did like the way you kind of see you almost you like reliving the scene, like so it's it's like I guess mm. almost exactly the same as what we saw in the beginning. Yeah, like um, mm. Kes does enter the bridge, and she, Jamie, as you said earlier. Mm. She wants she gets to make sure. Sh- like a crazy person, she gets gaslighted by the universe. <laughs> and I hate that. She has a huge story arc, so I don't know why I feel so sorry for her right now. Well, um, but because- she insists on seeing like visual confirmation that the planet is fine, and then she seems very relieved when she gets mm. that confirmation. Yes, yes. The problem with when Kess's story arc, right, I find is that inevitably, whenever I rewatch Voyager, I'm unfortunately for Kez because she's an excellent actress, but she she always signals when she leaves um, the incoming of um, Seven of Nine. So <laughs> never to be, I, and I love Seven of Nine. So yeah. I'm just waiting so you're for basically Kez. like, Kez, get I'm out. Like, yes. Oh my goodness, you're so mean. I'm like, How come on, you find out your psychic power. Voyager Hobbit. <laughs> How can you be so mean? It's only because Seven of Nine is so good. She is good. It's only because Seven of Nine is tall that you prefer her. <laughs> I don't think that's how Jenny decides which character on a TV show she prefers. Um, when, I mean, I'm, I'm sure when I was a kid, and well, actually, probably when I was a kid, I didn't, but as an adult, I'm like, why couldn't they just keep both? I don't understand. I know a little bit more about that. There, there are direct, there are direct demographic proportions um, formulas that they follow, Red. They could dye one of their head brown or something. I don't know. For <laughs> me, I wonder what happened. Maybe that they only really got seven or nine in because they found out Kez was leaving. Her character got written out. She didn't ah. choose to leave. I, I mean, this is what I remember when I did this deep dive COVID Star Trek thing, so, but take it with a pinch of salt. But I think they did it really well. And I mean, that can happen, right? There's no, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like, I don't think it's because um, they didn't like the character, but they wanted someone a foil for Janeway, like another strong, mm. uh, or maybe, maybe not even strong, but someone who maybe, maybe an, an, some an conflict. Opposition. Yeah. I guess. Mm. Whereas Kez, you can't yeah. really have conflict with because, yeah. I mean, anyone who has a conflict with her is basically a massive bully. Yeah. She's a bit, she's a bit too nice, isn't she? She's yeah. sort of mm. nice, nice and light and fair. Apart from oh, that yeah. one episode where she turns into a sort of alter ego. Oh, don't you tell me. Oh my word. Oh, I still have internet. Okay, the power's yeah. gone. Oh, yeah, my dad has a, I don't know, maybe the internet's still on. I'm not sure yeah. how it works, actually. But And also have some lamps that are somehow attached to something. I don't know. Oh, awesome. But, um, Jamie, did we cover everything in your notes? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pretend like I'm able to tell, but actually they're like 100 metres outside and I wasn't able to actually oh. get them because they're in the car. Okay. Uh, hopefully I sounded them? well enough informed without them. You did. 
The only thing I was going to mention was that I happened to see the name of the next week's one. And it's a great storyline and it comes, repeats several times, but I hate it because it's really disgusting. (laughs) Which one is it? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Goodbye. Don't No spoilers. You can't guess from that. It's been lovely. What? It's, it's been lovely. Me. It's been lovely, guys. Bye, 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 bye. Loud noises. No, none of you going to give away spoilers. I, mean, I, mean, I, I mean, will talk so loudly I can't hear it's you. Disgusting. I'll give you clues. It's disgusting in a gory way. In a disease-ridden way. Oh, is this the species? No, wait. We'll see. Yes. Yeah, I think you got it. Okay, interesting. It's horrible. I have to write. Sometimes I skip these ones. Oh, sorry, Jenny. No skipping allowed. No teasing. But um, I don't think I had like a theme or overwhelming message. What about you, Jenny? Um, no, yeah. I think um, it's not. Uh, I mean, I enjoy them all. It's not my, but not one of my fa- more favorite ones. Um, but I, I do love, as I mentioned, the whole like um, them not pushing a, a learning, you know, didactic. Um, mm you know, lesson on you, but more just like sharing the different point of views, like, you know, nuclear questions mm. about nuclear power and questions about should you interfere and, um, you know, the negatives if you interfere, the negatives if you don't interfere, and, the, and mm. then it leaves you to just philosophize. Um, yeah. Come to your own, or not even come to conclusions, yeah. just, you know, consider all the different mm. perspectives. And, I uh, have noticed, I mean, I, I spent a bit too much time on Twitter recently, so I'm sure this is not reflective of the silent majority, as I call mm. the rest of the world. But um, it seems like, oh, Jenny. Um, yeah, like, as you say, a lot of shows now push a certain agenda or message or you have to, you know, it's very clear. And then some people even react badly to seeing kind of bad or gray things on screen. They're like, well, this show is, I don't know, let's say sexist because someone in the show is sexist. It's like, well... Mm. That's. Um, I mean, there are people in reality who are sexist, but also, like, you can. Society. I mean, you, it's a bit yeah, like it's, a, a, a storytelling documentary. Like, I mean, yeah. it's probably better to show, you know, what there what, actually what are out there because so, stories are part of how people learn and learn to deal yeah. with monsters. Mm. To quote Neil Gaiman, and also it turns out even if you only watch stuff where people act nobly and justly, like in Star Trek. Uh, you, you can still grow up to be not a very good person. So what is the point of having <laughs> only like a, you know good characters on TV? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or what we consider good characters. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I just was curious because I, I couldn't really pick up a theme. I mean, unless we believed in the Prime Directive, but I, I, that's not something that affects me. <laughs> well, I guess it's. I kind of see the Prime Directive as a little bit. Um, if if you if you work in science and you, you're doing things like mm. randomized placebo controlled clinical trials and things and you know in medicine perhaps you you know the people doing the trials aren't really supposed to know um, mm. who's on placebo and who's not but say you're doing like a cancer trial and you know that half of the people on it are, mm. you know, if it's late stage cancer are going to die and the others might not mm. because they're not on the placebo and it's that kind of element and the same yeah. if you're doing um, if you're a journalist or you're observing um, like anthropological studies or animal behaviour is this whole element. I see the prime director a bit yeah. as an mm. analogy of in science how you need to not be, you need to be objective um, and not interfere to gather information um, and to not affect the course of 
um, I don't know, an experiment, I guess. Yeah, um, that is a really interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but that makes a lot of sense. I guess yeah. it's not quite the same. No, but it is the same. I mean, the clinic, example of clinical trials and journalism, or I think, are very good because I, that's, yeah, I mean, you have to keep, it's a narrow line, I would imagine, but you have to try to stick to it for the greater good, mm. not for the individual benefit of a few people. Yeah, and I think like another example is they, they do have an episode that I think is, probably, is much mm. better than the stuff I'm talking about, actually, is um, that applies not in a Star Trek world that's to do with um, there's, a, there's like a tribe on this planet that has been protected um, from um, the rest of the planet, which is all modernized and, you know, um, it's got, has the industrial revolutions and all this stuff has got on. But the tribe that's protected has um, had none of that and they live um, really simply um, and they've retained that um, that history as well. And then um, they accidentally break the barrier which protects them. Um, uh, yes. And the, the more modernized group of people, that the culture, they believe that they're going to go in and help them because they're going to give them education and medicine and, and modern medicine and all these things. But it kind of leaves it open as to actually that kind of interference, is that going to be to the benefit of this um, this tribe? Um, not necessarily. Um, and yeah. it's, it's that question of, you know, interference again, whether it's for good or, or not. Yeah, interesting questions. So many more episodes to watch as well. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i think um this was quite short for us well done everybody um not that it has to be short as i said as a fan of podcasts the longer the better for me but um uh jamie well maybe i could stop recording but i think the next one will be on the like the 16th because the 9th is my one of my last days in cape town so and i'll be on holiday i have Um, a question yeah are we gonna do one if and when we all go to our friend's wedding and we'll all be in Australia together. Oh, yeah, we can <laughs> we record in Australia. On, what's the word when you do a recording on? Uh, on location. On Sorry. location, that's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the world. That would be so cool. Um, oh, and um, the next time we do this, Jamie and I will no longer be in Spain, we'll be in France. <laughs> wow, you're on location every episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, well, I'm going to stop recording, uh, but we don't have to hang up.